Good morning, church. Good morning, church. There we go. I'd like to go ahead and ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll be starting a new series today called Real Life. And it's amazing what this book can do to help find real life. With the uh, events of the week, I couldn't start this sermon without first addressing a little thing, the, the, uh, a little bit of time to uh, the tragedy that happened in Florida. All of our hearts go out to the families and the, the, the loss that took place. It reminds me... Uh, of how short life really is. It also reminds me of how the existence of evil is ever present with us. And as even one of the scriptures remind us, it's the thief that comes to steal and kill. Uh, it reminds me that our world is full of heartache and that People are looking for answers and can't find them anywhere in the world. It reminds me that authorities, whether they be school or state or government to highest levels, have no ability to defeat the evil one. Understand. Evil acts are committed by the influence of the evil one. Don't ever doubt it. But it also reminds me of the power of the message that we have for people. That, that somehow or another in the, in amidst the great tragedies of life, there's still meaning to life. And there's still hope. For believers live different and view things from a different perspective than people just in the world. And so, before we get further into that thought in Ecclesiastes, I want us to have a word of prayer, especially on behalf of of the folks in Florida. Father, we love you. We are thankful we can approach your throne of grace with confidence, finding help in our time of need. For those that have great losses, Father, through uh, this tragic shooting, we... We pray for their comfort and their peace that can only be found in you. We pray, Father, that even amidst a great tragedy that people's heads, uh, instead of looking down at the terribleness of the world, will look up to you to find help. We pray, Father, for a consciousness to once again exist in our country that says that you are the answer to solving the problems of mankind. We do pray for the defeat of the evil one and of evil men that he uses. And we pray for opportunities to share the greatest news in the world that can give hope and life, more than just in this life, but in the life to come. We pray specifically for that community. And we pray, Father... For those families, in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. 
Most people ask the question, is, the, is there life after death? In Ecclesiastes, he asked the question, is there life before death? And so as we read this book, this, this word Ecclesiastes means the preacher. You'll see in, in his introduction when we read it, the words of the preacher or the words of the teacher or in some, the words of the leader of the assembly. So this is a guy that is proclaiming, this is a guy that has influence and, and, and has wisdom and he's going to share from a different perspective. He's not a prophet. He's not getting up like the prophets of old making some great declarations about the morality and immorality of mankind and what God wants them to do. His, his approach is a whole different approach. He's going to look at life Basically, without God in mind, just from a world point of view, and what do you see when you look at life like that? That's how he writes this. So he's going to use words like under the sun. And you're going to see that phrase several times. Or chasing after the wind. Or the word vanity, vanity. Or uh, meaningless, meaningless. He's going to make this argument. If you're only looking at life from, from just an unbeliever's perspective, here's what you have. And here are the roads people go down to try to find some kind of meaning, but here's where they lead to. Now, this is written by, obviously, one of the wisest, most wealthiest guys in the world, Solomon, who basically has unlimited funds and unlimited time and unlimited uh, uh, things at his hands to go explore life. And we get to learn some lessons from him. Let's just do a little bit of reading out of Ecclesiastes. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Israel. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Boy, you really feel better now, don't you? (laughs) By the way, if you're depressed, don't read half this book. You'll be really, I mean, it'll really put you under what does man gain from all of his labor which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go. Then he makes some statements about the creation. The earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets, and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south, turns to the north, round and round it goes, ever returning on the core. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full to the place the streams come from. They there return again. So there's just this cycle to life. There's this routine to life. Some of you are in that routine. The world helps you. The radio announcers help you. They say on Monday morning, back to the grind. Work five more days, man, till I get my paycheck on Friday. And everything I've earned in five days, I spend in two. And then it's back to the grind. And you do the same old thing, basically with the same old people. Day in, day out. You drive the same way to work. You drive the same way back. You toil for a while. And, by, and generations come and generations go. You'll make a mound and, and all the money you save up, somebody else will spend down the road and they won't even remember you're here. Your name will be carved on a piece of rock that will mold over and people can't even read it. Well, you're really encouraged now, right? <laughs> That's, this is life under the sun. Without God's intervention, without under, just, just in this world, just in this world. 
to the places streams come and go. All things are worrisome more than one can say. The eyes never has enough of seeing. The ears never, you can't ever get enough. There's no, remember the old song, there is no satisfaction. And I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. I can't get no satisfaction. And it says down in verse 12, I the teacher, I was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study. This word study is the word for investigate and seek. I'm diving into this thing. I'm like a, it's like a doctrinal study. I mean, it's, it's, I'm really getting into this. And to explore, this word is experience. Hands on. By wisdom, all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I, I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. And all of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be... It's like, he said, life, what is twisted. It's like, you take a coat hanger and you twist that thing all up out of its shape and then hand it to somebody and say, put it back like it just was. You, 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 you work or you fit, you can't do it. It's life's twisted, you can't fix it. You can't straighten everything out. Is there really any... I thought to myself, look, I have grown increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow and much knowledge. The more grief, the more I learn and understand... Well, the more miserable I am. Maybe ignorance really is bliss. Maybe that's why I'm so happy in life, you know. I thought in my heart, come down, I'll test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And, and what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I, I wanted to see what's worthwhile for men to do under heaven. During a few days of their life, I'm only here for a little while. Maybe I can find something to give me a little joy, he says. I undertook great projects. I, he says, I built houses. I was a great architect. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and and, and reservoirs and, and flourishing trees were growing there. And I, I bought slaves and I have those that served me born in my house. I own more flocks and herds than anybody else. I acquired men and women singers in a harem as well. The delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem. I denied myself nothing. My eyes desired. I refused my heart. No pleasure. My heart took delight in all the work. And this is the reward of all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had told to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing, nothing was gained under the sun. Boy, what an exciting book to study. But this guy is describing, now he kind of starts like, anybody ever watch the old Columbo shows? You know, Columbo show, thank you, all two of you. Uh, you know, Columbo, he's got the raincoat, he can't ever find a pen, that's kind of like me about half the time, you know, and, uh, and he starts on the show, and you already know who did it, but the whole idea of the show is him walking through the figuring out of, of explaining how it all happened. 
But you start with the end usually known. That's kind of the way this book is. Meaningless men, the end, he's going to come back in chapter 12 and say the exact same thing he says in verse 2. That under the sun, without God, this whole thing is empty and meaningless. No matter what road you travel down to try to find some kind of meaning in life, it's not there. There's really no real meaning to life. The verdict to life is already decided. Now he has these pop-ups. You're on your computer, you type and you've got pop-ups. There's a few pop-ups in the book of Ecclesiastes that are really important. Things that are from God. What Verse 13 of chapter 1. Chapter 2, 24, he says something about etern- God and eternity has been set by God in men's hearts. And, and in 3.11, there's a thing about from God. And 7.14, another. There's these pop-ups that, where he gives you the real reality if God's in the picture. But in amongst all that, he's just saying how m- meaningless life is. In an old hymn, there's a verse that says, I thank thee too that all my joy is touched with pain, that shadows fall on brightest hours and thorns remain, so that earth's bliss may be my guide and not my chain. I'm, this world is not what ties me to meaning. There's something beyond this, this old life. And so what, he, what you have if you don't have God is you have the words of Hemingway when he said, Life is a dirty trick, a short journey from nothingness to nothingness. What a terrible way to live life. And he's not saying it's terrible because of tragedies, but when you're just living life without God... It's not the tragedies that cause you problems. It's just the trivial. It's just the everyday routine of getting up and doing the same old thing, the same old way, and getting the same old results. So he says, I'm going to try some roads and see if they lead to happiness. So the first one he tries is education. Because he says, look, i got the wisdom. I, got the, I can study. I can seek. I, I've got, I'm just going to dive into that and explore that. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get the, the greatest degree I can find. I'm going, to, I'm going to learn all there is to know about life through education. Intellectualism. That's the way to go. That will solve everybody's problem. And so he seeks about, uh, in life about how far can that understanding take you. Now, what happens is... Intellectualism does not have the power in all of its knowledge to feel the emptiness of a man's heart. If, if education is the answer, university campuses ought to be the most peaceful and happiest place on earth. Are they? No. No matter of fact, they're where the seeds of, of living without God are growing. They're going just the opposite. But he says, maybe education is this. If I can get wise enough and smart enough and study enough, then I can really understand and find meaning to life, you know? You can drive down to M.D. Anderson or go up to the Cleveland Clinic, go to the, where all the geniuses are at work. 
And the smartest people are there trying to find answers to cure a disease. And they have all the information and education. And on their break, they walk out the back door across the parking lot and light up a cigarette. Is education handling their problem? See, education doesn't do it. You can put up the you can put up all the warnings about how something is bad for you. You want to, and people can have the education, but it doesn't stop them from doing that. Why? Well, if we just educate people more, they would understand, and, and, and then they would stop all this bad behavior that's causing them so much wreckage in their life. No, doesn't work that way. Why? Because education, the wise says, look. Intellectualism and education does not have the ability to change the character of a man's heart. It cannot give him true meaning in life. He said, I went down that road farther than anybody else and got to the end of it. And You know what I found out, the wise man says? I found out that when you get to the end of that road, you and the fool both die and you both end up meaningless. I should have just might as well stayed a fool. You see, we can have the genius. Think about this. We can have the genius to put a man on the moon. Think about the education of that. We have the genius to conquer space. But we can't conquer the space between a man and a woman warring at home. We can conquer the space and put a man on the moon and we can't conquer the space between a parent and a teenager at odds with one another. We can't conquer the space between a church member being at odds with another church member and can't get that space fit. Are you kidding me? Education is not going to do it. Well, he says, maybe this thing of uh, pleasure will do it. I'll just go down this road of folly, this road of pleasure and, or hedonism, or as, you say, as we say in Louisiana, let the good times roll. Isn't that what? Hey, it's Mardi Gras, right? Let the good times roll. Let's just have a party. That's what somebody asked uh, the other day uh, when the football playoffs were still going on. And someone asked some of the people, said, what are the people in New Orleans going to do if, if uh, the Saints win? They're going to party. Well, what are they going to do if they lose? They're going to party. I mean, that's what they do, right? And so that's, we're just going to go have all the pleasures we can get, have the biggest party all the time. That's going to really give us some kind of me. The, the writer says, I tried all that. I planted vineyards. I grew my own vineyards. I had the wine. I had a harem of women. And I even hired all the singers. I had wine, women, and song. A perfect Saturday night. Right? And he said, what did it get him? Nothing was meaningless. He, I, I tried all those things and nothing, nothing good came about. Because life is so fleeting. It's like a snowflake that falls in the river. It's white for that long and then it's gone. It's like that Flower that you grab that all of a sudden that you just grab it one and then the blooms are just disappear. That's what life is. 
there looks like a little pleasure, it looks like a little beauty there, and I'm going to grab for it, and all of a sudden it's gone. Nothing's left. Pleasure, it won't do it. C.S. Lewis wrote, If we find in, a, in our hearts a longing for things that are not attainable in this world, we ought not immediately say this is a lousy world. We ought to consider the possibility that we were made for another world. There's something beyond this old world here. This is short. This is, this is just prep for living real life and having real meaning. So the counselor has a young man come in and he's depressed and he feels like life is empty. He feels like there's no meaning. Meaningless, meaningless, vanity, vanity. He's kind of got the Ecclesiastes language going on. The counselor doesn't really know how to help him. He just knows he needs a little joy in his life. And finally, he's just kind of at the last step. He says, look, there's a, there, there's a great talent in town. Everybody that's going to this comic, and he's a clown, and he, he, he does all these kind, and everybody just enjoys his show so much. Just go there. Just go there and get some, get some joy and laugh a while and, and, and go see this clown and see his act. And you guessed it. The guy said, I am the clown. You see, some of us can't find any meaning, and so we put out the... Outside laughter. We put out the outside smile that's, that, 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 that makes everybody laugh. Some of you were the clown in your high school class, right? Some of you kept that MO through college. Matter of fact, you just made it a part of your life. And what it does, it helps you, it helps people, it helps you stay away from people and it helps people stay away from you because I don't want anybody to get too close in here where I know there's nothing. Does anyone wonder why so many, so many comedians end up taking their own life and dealing with this emptiness in life. No pleasure will solve that. No amount of applause will take care of that. Well, then he says, I tried materialism. I went down that road. I went down the road of education. I went down the road of pleasure. And that writer says, I go down the road of materialism. I'll just get, I've got unlimited money. I'll get all the stuff I can get. You know, because isn't there some pleasure right there associated with the materialistic side of things? If, if I just had that thing, I'd be happy. You know, I just I tell Susan, if I could just buy one more thing to put on my motorcycle, that's all I want. Right? Just want one more will satisfy me. I just want one more thing. If I, if I could just get that one house that was a little bit bigger and gave me more room, well, then I'd be happy. If I could just gain this one job and have this amount of money, I'll tell you what, if I could just have an X amount of dollars in the bank so I would know that I would have enough money to, to live out life, well, well, then I, I'd know I'd be okay. I'd be secure. I'd have peace in life. And Solomon had unlimited amounts of money. But what did he say? He said, I labored over those things, but well, look what he says in chapter 2, verse 22 and 23. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under under the sun? All his days, his work is pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. Any of you go to sleep at night and you find yourself, you keep waking up and you, things are on your mind, the job's there, the, the work's there. The pain. So that's this guy. 
At night, his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink, find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat and find enjoyment? Now, it's one of those pop-ups. Without God, you can't get any joy out of life. To the man who pleases God, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. You work real hard, you gather all the stuff you can get, and somebody else will enjoy it when you're gone. Basically, that's what he said. That materialism is not going to give you meaning in life. Well, if I could just get that letters by my name in education, be doctor, whatever, I could have some meaning and respect in life. I really have meaning. Well, if I could just get all the pleasure I want, I could really, you know, just enjoy life. Well, if I could just get all everything new and buy anything I wanted, man, that would solve all my problems. You know how many people walk up the steps of our office every week thinking that if we could just give X amount of dollars, that somehow or another their life would get all smooth and easy and they'd be happy? Every day, every week. And he keeps saying, that's not the answer. That just keeps you awake at night. And when you do get it all built up, somebody else enjoys it. You see, without God, you can't enjoy life. All these, all these efforts are flawed. They're not flawed because there's something wrong with them. In and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with getting a good education. I'm not advocating everybody stay dumb as a post. Okay? Or that you can't be successful materially in work and gain things. I'm not advocating. Those things can have meaning only when God... See, here's the thing. Meaning is not to life. Real meaning in life is not found under the sun, just under this in this old world. Real meaning in life is found in the sun. S-O-N. Got it? then that gives meaning to everything else you do. All of a sudden, now my education can have meaning as I can use things to give God glory. My wealth can have meaning as I can relieve suffering, as I can get to the kingdom, as I can watch God multiply things. Now all of a sudden, my pleasure is not in a selfish thing. My pleasure is in seeing someone find the kingdom of God. All of a sudden, everything changes. When I understand what it means to enjoy God in the relationship with Him, and then I, I fear God and keep His commandments. Why? That's the road that will actually have true meaning in life. You see, the sin has robbed those things, education and wealth and labor. It's robbed those from having any meaning. God gives meaning back to them. This all started back in the garden anyway, right? Adam and Eve looked at this tree and bought a lie that said, I can, I can be my own God. That's the first part of the story of the Bible. Is that, is that mankind can replace God and that I can be in control of my life and I can choose my own direction and I can choose my own destiny and I can find my own pleasure 
That's what the evil one told them. You, you'll be like God. And they tried that, and men past them tried that, and men sitting and women in this audience are trying that. And trying to be God doesn't work out too good. Because of sin and the damage that it's done to our hearts and our lives and our relationships is devastating. And nothing we pursue can solve that problem. Part one of the story of the Bible, man putting himself in the place of God. Part two, God putting himself in the place of man. Isn't that what Isaiah said? We all like sheep have gone astray, Isaiah 53, 6. Each of us has turned to his own ways. That's turned to his own ways. We turned our own ways. We went down those roads and because of sin, we couldn't find any meaning to life. Wasn't there. We tried. We each turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Sin had ruined my life. I was incapable of finding my own way, and I was incapable of finding any meaning to life outside Jesus Christ. The only meaning to life is life in the Son of God. So God has paid the price for the sin of our life. And the gospel is the, the story we find true meaning. That's why we had the verse read earlier by the kids, John 10.10. 10. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It's life here and life beyond death. It makes meaning, it, has, it has, makes sense. We can have some fullness to life when we're walking with Christ. No matter what tragedy happens, I can still serve God and have something to look forward to because my hope is not in my decisions. My hope is in the decision of God to take my place at the cross to the one called Jesus Christ. Praise God for the grace of God. See, real meaning in life is to find Christ. When I give up trying to find meaning my own way, which some of us need to just give that up today. You've run down that road. Solomon ran down it further than anybody else. Let's learn from the guy that we went down the road. Let's don't have to go, we don't have to go that way ourselves. Those areas of satisfying ourselves, finding purpose, you're not going to find it in all those areas. That the world says. Because that's just chasing after the wind. And your life is so short. It's like that. I mean I can't believe it. How quick it goes. And it seems like the older you get. Some of you that are my age and older. Right? I mean when you get over the hill. It goes fast. Down the hill. Right? I mean here's what I've learned. Time goes fast. Time moves fast and you move slow. That's what I've learned about being old. And when you have more days behind you than you do ahead of you, if you only think from the, this world's point of view of, oh, I wish I'd have done this or I wish I'd have done that, what a miserable place to be in life. Look, the greatest part of life, the greatest days ahead are not the days till I die. It's the days after I die. 
I'm just preparing to live in a world that's much better than this world. And this world is not going to chain me here by its pleasures or by its accomplishments. I don't want to be here. And everything about being here very long tells me there's something better beyond this old world. I'm ready for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love that. Everybody over 60 clapped. No, no, I just... But it's reality, isn't it? Someone said, Mike, we need to make the Bible relative. Are you kidding? You don't have to make the Bible relate. You just look. This book is the most relative book in the Bible to how people ought to find meaning in life and what they chase after. So what are you chasing after? Is it just the wind? Chasing after that extra amount of attention from someone that says, I'm, I'm important. If you hadn't got it down yet, God says you're important. You don't need to find that one person that says you are. God says you are. He says you're so important and so valuable that he's willing to pay the price with this the sacrifice of his son. That's how valuable you are to God. He loves you that much that in spite of us running these roads, the things that we try to find, in spite of all that mess up and that stain of sin that we've dumped on us, God says, I choose you and you and you and you. Through the Son of God. And you find real meaning to life when you follow God. You turn down those roads, I think it's about, it's time to turn back. It's called repentance. You make that turn and you walk a different way and come back to God. That's where true purpose and meaning of life is really found. Father, we love you. If we ever messed up seeking things that simply have no answers, we buy Satan's lies and we try to be God and it never works out. We end up, as the words of the writer said today, meaningless, meaningless, life is meaningless under the sun. In a world without your intervention, life is meaningless. And yet, Father, because you chose to take our place, that Jesus' body hung on a cross for us, we have real meaning in life. That just as his body was raised out of the ground, ours too will be raised, and we have hope, and we have joy in sharing that story, but helping people in the midst of their own turmoil Find true meaning to life by fearing you and keeping your commandments, by following the road you've laid out for us. We know, Father, that man doesn't need religion. Man needs a relationship with you through his Son. I pray for any heart here that's been turned the wrong way to turn back to you. I pray for all of us in the kingdom that we would not get distracted 
by the messages of the world and that we would understand true meaning of life is a total commitment to following you, taking up the cross, going where you would have us go. Help us walk the road, Father, to real life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for grace. May your spirit ever be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need to make Jesus the direction, the Lord of your life, the Savior of your life, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. You can, you can confess Him as Lord, be baptized into Christ, start life all over with a brand new meaning and purpose. That's what our invitation is about. If you just have some particular need to be prayed over, then we're down here to pray with you. We're in it together, right? We're forever family. Nobody's bearing anybody else. We're just trying to walk this road the best way we know how with God's grace. If you have a need, would you come while we stand and sing?